0: I'd like to just give you, uh, talk with you a little bit this morning about the missionary call. That's the title of my message. And the question is, do you need a call to go? I'd like to look at this uh, together. Do you need a call to go? The term missionary call should never have been coined, Herbert Kane. It is not scriptural and therefore can be harmful Thousands of youth desiring to serve the Lord have waited and waited for some mysterious missionary call that never came. Okay, that's, uh, that's one perspective. What I'm going to offer now is the opposing view. Uh, here's a mission conference speaker. If you don't have a clear-cut missionary call, don't become a missionary, whatever you do. You'll do more harm than good if you go. So, and then here's another one with that same uh, sentiment. Nothing could be more vital to anyone setting out for the mission field than to be clearly assured of the call and leading of the Lord and taking that step. Robert Hall Glover. So do you need a missionary, a definite call, or don't you need a call? Which, which one is it? I'd like to dissect that a bit this morning and look at uh, the words of Christ as, as well and, and other scriptures. The missionary call is arguably one of the most misunderstood aspects of fulfilling the Great Commission. I think this is true. So let's look at the Great Commission together. And this is in Matthew chapter uh, 28. In fact, why don't we all read together just the, um, the text as given up here. Let's all read this together. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus uh, gave this, uh, this commandment as his parting words. Okay? When someone dies... Um, Jesus did not die. He ascended. But when someone, one of our loved ones passes away, we strain with eagerness to hear what their last words are. What are they going to say to us before they pass away? Um, I was with my, both my father and mother when they passed away, and that was very special for me to be there. And I just made it to my mother's bedside before she passed away, and she could still recognize me. And I'll always remember, she said, Tim, I love you. And that's real special to me. She was able to tell me, Tim, I love you. And you know, when someone passes away, we strain eagerly to hear what they, what they say. When, before Jesus ascended, he said these words. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, you go and make disciples of all the nations. And this is called the Great Commission. We can kind of dice it into these parts. Go make disciples. Go baptize. Go teach all the nations. And the word nations here is not the word for um, countries like Africa or Zimbabwe or, uh, or Africa would be a continent. Not, not the word that we would often think of as a nation, like a national nation, like Russia or, you know, um zimbabwe or england or whatever the word is etne, which means people groups it's it's really a word which means families or people groups and it refers to uh, ethnicities it's actually where we get our word ethnic do you see it Etne, ethnic so this is where we get the word ethnic from so when jesus said go make disciples of all nations I believe uh, that he was speaking to all the peoples of the earth, all the different cultures of earth. Don't just limit yourself to one culture, one people group. Go to all the peoples of earth, all the different ethnicities, all the different races, perhaps we could say. And maybe even um, more narrow than races, the different um, groups of people with their languages and their customs. So this is the Great Commission. And this is easily understood. There's no, um, there's really nothing about this that we cannot understand. There's not something difficult here. There's not a, you know, sometimes when you read scripture, there's like, oh, what does that mean? You scratch your head, you know, it's like, hmm. And there's like disagreement among theologians and over the centuries, you know, maybe one side took this and one side took that. Um, no, not with this. It's just very clear. Go make disciples. Of all the nations and baptize them and teach them to observe all the things that I've told you. So there's no no uh, unclarity here. It's it's very clear what Jesus uh, said. Furthermore, it's also clear that he's giving this as a as a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not a uh, recommendation. It's actually. An imperative, go therefore, you go therefore. He's giving this to his disciples um, as he leaves earth. You go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. I'd like to talk a bit about missionary, so we look at what the great commandment is, Let's, um, or the uh, great commission. Let's talk a bit about what the word missionary means. So in the traditional sense, the word missionary has been reserved for those who cross uh, geographical or cultural barriers. Uh, The example would be of Paul in Acts 22. uh, To preach the gospel in areas of the world where Jesus is largely, if not entirely, unknown. And also the example of Paul in Romans 15 where he says that his ambition was to preach the gospel where Jesus is not known, okay? So this is what we uh, would traditionally have called a missionary. I'd like to put this in opposition, or not opposition, I'd like to contrast this with uh, the word witness. So missionary, um, as defined by someone who goes to uh, crossing geographical, cultural, language barriers. Um, Witness... Every Christian is to be a witness of Jesus. No matter where we go, we're to be witnesses of him. A witness is someone who just testifies of Jesus. If someone asks you, um, you look different. Why are you different? And you say, well, I I have Jesus in my heart. And you witness about Christ. Okay, so all of us are to be witnesses of Jesus uh, for Christ. All Christians. All are to be missionary-minded in obedience to the Great Commission. But... I would like to suggest this morning that not all Christians can be missionaries in the proper sense of the word, where you leave and you go to a cross-cultural setting, you learn another language, you, um, uh, in that sense of the word. But we are all to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. So I don't think there's an out for any of us. That's my heart this morning. It takes all the church, the total resources of the church, to be thrown into obedience of the Great Commission to make disciples of all people, groups on earth. I believe every church member, every church member needs to involve himself in aiding the mobilization that's required to take Jesus to the nations and to those who have never heard and to those who are still sitting uh, in darkness. Does that make sense? Everyone is to be a witness, but it's not possible for everyone, every single Christian, to pack up and go to a cross-cultural region, learn another language, become immersed in another culture. Um, more than do are needed, certainly, but not not everyone. Not every church member is able to actually go. Crossing these cultural and linguistic uh, barriers to reach others for Christ. I really wanted to uh, bless uh, you as a church here at Shenandoah because I know that you have, um, you're preparing um, to send Riley and Katharina as your representatives. Uh, in this endeavor. And I think that's the model that we need to have. We need to be able to send people from our church to do this task. If we don't send people from our churches to do this task, who's going to do it? So if we can't all go, well, at least some of us can go. And so we need to have that mindset that we will send someone. And I think every church should be sending one, two, three, however many we can support, families, families, to do this work, uh, young people, families, to do this work, and if we have that mindset, the task can be done. It can get be done. If every church in America would have this mindset, the the task would be finished in our in a, in, a, in a, our generation. How many unreached people groups are there? We're going to look at a few uh, in a moment. Some of the figures, but maybe around six thousand somewhere in there. How many churches are in America? More than six thousand. Right. So at Baptist churches, how many Baptist churches are there? Dale, more than six thousand, I would say. So, yes, so we can do it. We can do it. And, and you're doing it. And so that's what we need to hold as our motivation. You know, we cannot just sit and say, oh, someone else uh, will do it for us. Um, so when you witness to your neighbor, are you being a missionary or are you being a witness? Well, I don't know. We need to parse the terms, but. I guess, personally, I would say you're probably being a witness. You know, we sing, uh, Lord, prepare me to be a missionary. And it's good. We, we are that. Uh, but in the proper sense of the word, missionary, you know, someone who goes across cultural, linguistic, um, geographical barriers to reach someone who has not, where Christ has not been uh, heard. Is the term missionary call used in the Bible? Uh, The major use of the word call in the New Testament is a call to salvation. It would seem that the Apostle Paul used the word more as a comprehensive term to actually encompass all that pertains to our salvation in Christ. Like We're called to the kingdom. We're called to Christ. Uh, Hearing the gospel, believing, and and becoming uh, born again. The Apostle Paul used this word... um, call in his apostleship actually but we don't find any reference to a missionary call like you know the the perception that people have you know i was called to be a missionary that's actually not in the bible where you you find that the closest that some people maybe would use is where uh, the holy spirit said to the church in antioch set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work to which i've called them so what about this? I would I would say that, yes, this is a confirmation that Barnabas and Saul, uh, later called Paul, were to be you know, missionaries. But they were actually called before this. Do you remember uh, when Saul was converted? What happened? He was on the road to Damascus and God chose him at that time to be a missionary. And he also told um, Ananias, go to Saul and, you know, lay your hands on him. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So he had been called already. It's I would say this is a confirmation more than it was an actual um, uh, call. What about the Macedonian call? Do you remember in Acts 16 where uh, Paul was on one of his missionary trips and he received a vision of a man in Macedonia who said, come to us. You remember the story? OK, what about that? Well, it was quite obvious that Paul and Silas were already on a missionary trip. They were already on the field. They were already being missionaries and they were just being directed where to go. So I don't think this is like a missionary call that we can say, oh, this is a missionary call. Um, that confirms this. It was more of a directional guidance than it was to um, actually uh, call them. So the key issue here is that there's not a certain call that's needed to go be a missionary because God or Jesus has already given that commandment. So we don't need We don't need uh, a further verification. We don't need to fast and pray whether we should send people to the nations or uh, missionaries to the nations of earth because Jesus already told us to do that. It's already settled. Okay, we don't need to pray whether we should do that because God has already given us that commandment. Those were Jesus last words to us. Maybe some have suggested I like what some have suggested that we should maybe use other words such as. Uh, guidance or direction or a clear uh, conviction. But it's clear, I believe this morning, uh, that there's not a visionary experience that's needed. Okay, We don't need a vision in the night to tell us to go because Jesus told us to go. It's clear. We don't need a further revelation from God. Now, as we say, here am I, Lord, I want to go, send me. God will confirm and show us where to go. And he will show, uh, you know, as a church, you might uh, a church might be seeking God. Lord, we want to get involved in the Great Commission and go to the to the unreached nations who have not yet known you. Uh, Where should where should we go? And God can give direction. But the actual obedience to go is not in question. Someone has said the need is the call. A need plus knowledge of the need plus the ability to meet the need constitutes a call. And that's often what happens uh, when students come to IGO. They see the needs of the world, they see the dearth of, uh, uh, they, they see the brokenness of man and those who have never heard the gospel. When you look into the eyes of someone who has never heard the gospel, and who will never hear and understand unless someone tells him and learns his language and tells him something happens inside. Like, wow, this person is lost and he will never know unless someone goes, you know what, maybe I should go. And that starts awakening uh, inside students, you know, knowledge of that need. And I have the ability to meet this need. And then it constitutes a, a personal call. I'd like to give um, the example of Paul. It has always been my ambition. This is in uh, Romans um, chapter 15 uh, where he gives uh, these words. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So where did Paul concentrate? His efforts. Okay, His ambition was to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. But now there is no place for me to work in these regions. So he's saying, you know, there's no work for me here because there's nobody here where, you know, that I can preach to where Christ is not known. All these people have heard. So he was saying, I'm going to relocate. I'm going to go to where Christ has not been named. I'd like to give you a few quotes. Um. Next, um, Keith Faulkner, who was a heroic uh, Scottish nobleman who blazed the gospel trail into uh, then the ignored peninsula of Arabia. He said this, while vast continents still lie shrouded in almost utter darkness and millions, hundreds of millions suffer the horrors of heathenism and Islam, the burden of proof rests upon you to show that the circumstances in which God has placed you were meant by him to keep you out of the foreign mission field. So the question he's turning the question around, you know, you need a call to go. No. The burden of proof rests on you to show why you should not go. So you actually would need a call to stay is what he's what he's saying. James Gilmore is the kingdom of harvest field then i thought it reasonable that i should seek to work where the work was most abundant and the workers fewest laborers say they are overtaxed at home what then must be the case abroad where there are wide stretching plains already white to harvest with scarcely here and there a solitary reaper my going forth is a matter of obedience to a plain command and in place of seeking to assign a reason for going abroad, I would rather, I would prefer to say that I have failed to discover any reason why I should stay at home. And so he also says, to me, the question was not why go, but why not go? Even on the low ground of common sense, I seem called to be a missionary. For is the kingdom not a harvest field? Then I thought it only reasonable to seek the work where the work was most abundant and the work, workers were fewest. So if you um, look at the people on earth who have not yet heard about Jesus, we call them unreached people groups, four out of ten people that live on the earth are among them. Four out of every ten persons on this earth live in an unreached people group. And these people are in this region of the world, which we've come to know as the 1040 window. And you can see that the color is red are where uh, there are fewest Christians. Green is where there are, are more Christians. So um, the peoples who have still not heard about Jesus are located primarily here. Other places, of course, as well, but uh, the cluster, the majority of them are here. Five out of six unreached people groups are in this uh, region of the world. So why are there 7,400 um, groups that are unreached i think you can it varies by the count some places are six thousand seven thousand it, it it varies a lot depending on how you count a people group some people some organizations count them multiple times depending on if they're in separate countries um, so it's, it's mostly by definition um, of how you define a people group that uh, the numbers vary but why are these uh, people unreached why are they still With their own language, their own customs, their own religion, and they don't know about Jesus, and they will never know about Jesus unless someone goes to them. I often think about these people that, for them, they may as well be in 1000 BC, for purposes of the gospel. They may as well be in 1000 BC, because they don't know, and they won't know that Jesus came. So they may as well be back there because Jesus has not come for them, So unless someone tells it. So why are there still so many? It's because there's limited contact, limited missionaries, mission, limited churches and finances. So there's very little contact with Jesus' um, followers. Globally, 87% of Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims have very little contact with Christians. Isn't that amazing? Almost 90% of Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims have very little contact. They probably don't even know a Christian personally. Would you call that limited contact? I would. So that's why there are still so many unreached people groups. Furthermore, there are limited missionaries. So less than one in ten missionaries work in this um, part of the world among these unreached people groups. Less than one in ten. The other nine missionaries are working in areas of the world where the gospel has been known, and uh, often for generations. Furthermore, limited finances are directed toward unreached people groups. Here's a question. For every dollar of Christian giving to all causes, for like all our, if you take all the offerings that Christians give in our churches, okay, Every dollar, for every dollar that's given, how much goes to financing a church among unreached people groups? I won't have you guess because you, unless you know, you probably wouldn't guess it. It's actually less than a penny. Okay, Less than one penny of every dollar goes to uh, the unreached uh, people groups and starting a church there. North Americans spend about the same on Halloween costumes for pets as they do on outreach to unreached people groups. We generalize the Great Commission. We say someone else will go. Yes, you know, Jesus meant these words, but he wasn't really speaking directly at at me. He was just speaking to the church and somebody else will do it. Okay, I do think the Great Commission was given to the disciples and then conveyed to the, the church. And it should be embraced as a church. The task can never be done individually. It takes more than one person. It takes the church, all of us. That's why I bless you as a church collectively for saying, we care about this. We're going to do something. Okay, That's the way it's done. But do you see the problem here? Um, I need to personalize this command. You need to personalize the command. I am going to do something about this. I am going to pray. I'm going to give. I'm going to send. And some of you can say, I'm going to go. Right? So we need to personally do something about this. And I'm going to get personally involved. I'm going to put skin in the game. I'm going to personally do something. I'm not going to be content to just say somebody else is going to do this. I'm going to get involved. What can I do before I die to help those who have never heard the gospel? What's wrong with this question? Well, surely you're not suggesting that we're all supposed to move overseas. Have you ever heard that? Okay, I have. What's wrong with the question? I think it's evasive. Someone's trying to squiggle out of saying, I I want to go. Someone's saying, I don't want to go. Don't meet, not me, okay? Don't go, not me. Don't send me. Send somebody else, okay? Um, okay, I'm actually not suggesting that everybody go. I told you already that not everybody can go. But if you have this heart, if someone has this heart and doesn't want to go, what does that say about him? It says he's personally evasive and saying, well, I don't want to do this. So I think we should reframe the questions. And we should say, rather than saying, will I... Uh, obey the Great Commission, we should say, how will I obey the Great Commission? How am I going to get involved? And rather than saying, is the Great Commission for me, we should say, how is the Great Commission for me? How can I get involved? How does this uh, apply to me? Rather than saying, do I need to surrender my life to obeying the Great Commission, we should say, how will will I surrender my life? Um, How will my surrender to Jesus help fulfill the Great Commission? Instead of saying, do I have to go? My question to you this morning is, do you want to go? And if you don't want to go, then has God really touched you with the need? Sometimes it's harder to stay than it is to go. Do you know that? Um, I raised uh, Linda and I raised a family of nine, and there were times when... I had to go on an errand in town and I had a little Toyota Tacoma truck and I would say to the children, children, I'm going to go to town this morning and I, uh, who wants to go along? And little hands would shoot up me, 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 me. And then I had a problem. My little Toyota Tacoma only had room for one at the most two in the middle, but that was kind of illegal, right? So what do I do? There was no king cab. I couldn't pile them all in. I had to choose. I said, okay, I'll take you this time. Oh, dad, oh, dad. You know, everybody says, okay, they all want it to go. We need more me, 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 okay, send me. That's the attitude um, that we really need to cultivate in our hearts uh, this morning. I think you heard my heart, and you heard the heart of Jesus. That, why is it important to go? What difference does it make? Would you agree it makes an eternity of difference for some people? It does. It makes an eternity of difference for those who have heard, those who have not heard. Let's pray. Father, I just ask this morning that you use these uh, simple words to grip uh, each of us and even me in a fresh way that the urgency, the enormity of the task, but the ability to have it completed by our obedience individually and corporately as a church. Father, thank you for the church here. Thank you that they've embraced this call. And they have said, we will do something about those who have never, never heard. Thank you also for the Christian witness and even missionary service that they have right here in Shenandoah in this town. I pray a great blessing upon Dale and the ministry team as they lead and shepherd the church here. I pray for this church as they uh, have a Christian outreach right here in this uh, needy need uh, setting so lord we i pray a great blessing on on their work and that they could bring uh, souls to christ through their labors thank you for uh, giving us both the knowledge of jesus and the desire to follow him i want to pray a special blessing also on uh, this youth group that's uh, been here all week i pray that their time here would be used of you to uh, just bless them in their in their life and as they uh, make choices about what to do with career and uh, their calling in life that they would remember the great needs they've seen and lord that some of them would begin even now to say lord i'm serious about this where can i go what can i do So thank you for their work this week, and I pray a blessing on them and the the youth leaders who came with them. Thank you that they invested uh, this week of their their lives for this cause. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.